0: What we see in scripture is that we are, when we are born as babies, we are born with a sin nature. We look at that innocent little baby and we think of how perfect they are, but in them is a sin nature. And as they grow up, natural things in life come about. That sin nature is going to play itself out. In other words, our nature leans towards actions that are harmful to ourselves and harmful to others. And the question may be asked when we think about some of these actions, well, what if it's two consenting adults, it's not har- harming anyone? What it's, what, what it, who gets to determine that is our Creator, The one who determines this, what is of the sin nature, can't be us because we are caught in it. Does that make sense? We can't we can't say, "Oh, that's the sin nature. That's not the sin nature," uh, because we're in it, and so what feels right to us can be dead wrong. So the Creator determines what is of the sin nature. And tells us, listen, these things are of the sin nature. They're the work of the flesh. And so one of the things I've come to conclusion about, when somebody, you know, you think about the sin nature and you think about something like homosexuality today and you talk to somebody and they say, I've been this way my whole life. They probably have some actual recognition that they've been that way their whole life because that act of the sin nature has been working out in them their whole life, and it needed to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you look at this list of the sin nature, it's not that you're going to go do every one of them, but you have a tendency in the sin nature. And you may tend to one of them, or to five of them, or to some number of them that you tend towards that work themselves out in your in your life. And so the action that works itself out in our life is the fruit of the sin nature in us. So I confess my sin. I confess, I look and I recognize my lying, my cheating, my stealing, my immorality. That's sin. But what God really What Jesus really died for was to heal me of the sin nature. Forgiving me of my sin. Changing my nature. Working in my life to change my nature. When we are born again, we're we're given a new nature in the spirit. We call this regeneration. The heart, the spirit of man is what Jesus said... Reborn. We're reborn. This is a miracle of God inside of us. Now our minds and our hearts have always been influenced by the sin nature. And so we, we have this problem. Paul talks about it here. They're opposed to each other. The flesh still wants to do what the flesh wants to do. And I've got to learn to walk in the Spirit being a person full of the Spirit. I've got to learn how to daily walk in the Spirit, be refreshed and strengthened by the Spirit to overcome the nature of sin that maybe I've been trained in, I've found acceptable, uh, maybe I even enjoy. But I've got to become transformed. This is one of the key signs of, of salvation, friends. One of the key signs of salvation is when you look back and you think about the way you used to party, and instead of going, man, did we used to have a good time, when you go, man, am I embarrassed? Am I embarrassed? How did I ever think that was okay? So when you look back at your prejudice and you go, God, forgive me. When you look back at hateful words that you said and you go, I, boy, if I ever saw that person again, I'd apologize to him. I can't believe I ever talked that way or acted that way. When the new nature in you begins to stir you to recognize the old nature for what it was, the corrupt nature of the flesh. And so we, we, as we walk in the Spirit and the Spirit grows in us, it begins to do battle with these things. So our minds and our hearts that have always been influenced by the sin nature, now we want our nature to be fully submitted to the Spirit of God. We've come to this recognition when we're born again. We want to be fully submitted to to the Spirit of God. But this is an inner war. It's an inner battle. Now, frankly... Uh, Some people are like Sweden, you know, they've given up a long time ago. Switzerland, they've given up a long time ago. And they're not fighting the fight at all. They've decided to be neutral. You can't be neutral. You've got to determine to fight this fight. You've got to recognize the sin nature and declare war on it by the power of the Spirit of God. So we call this sin nature the desires of the flesh. What the flesh desires to do so you know let's you know very practically something makes you mad and in your sin nature you want to blow up and curse and scream at people that's the desire of the flesh it's the desire of the flesh you see something and you think I, I could i could take that nobody would know that's the desire of the flesh you have opportunity to be sexually immoral that's the desire of the flesh That's what's going on. The desire of the flesh is trying to rule in us. You you get, have have you ever been in a place where there's gossip and you find your flesh going, oh, tell me more? That's the flesh. There's there's times when you you, you guys sit and say, I I don't need to hear that, I don't want to hear that. I don't need that in my life. I don't need that running around in my head. You know, that that kind of thing. The people that are kind of, you know, rebellious, you kind of, it's the, it's the girl who's retar- attracted to the bad boy. And she thinks that's so, you know, kind of, yeah, I'm attracted to the bad boy. You, your flesh is. Your flesh is attracted to sin. So I've got to recognize it for what it is if I'm ever going to be able to overcome it. Because we become so comfortable with them that we have to have to have them identified to eliminate excuse. This is such a key area of faith development. In ourselves, and mom and dad, listen to me, in our children, we got to stop making excuses. I didn't hear a lot of people shout amen right there. Here's what, oh, they made me do it. Oh, my child's just young. No, we've got to stop making excuses. So as we think about these that are identified here and how many of them there are, and then it says there's, there's more, we have to recognize when they begin to work their way out in our life in any way, and here's what we have a tendency to do when we look at this list of the sin nature we have a tendency, now. The works of the sin nature are obvious: sexual immorality, blah 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 blah. Oh, drunkenness and orgies, and we miss all these ones in the middle. You know, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Now we, we we've got to look at these, and we've got to look at the at, at the, the the ones. And they've got to look at the things like these and recognize that when they begin to work their way out in our life, or when they begin to work their way out in our children's lives, one of the things that we're called to do is temper them, control them. Many times people do this before they're saved with some one of them. Cultures will do this with some of them. Right now we're seeing a change in our culture. We've seen a radical change in our culture in the last 50 years of what our culture tempers as a culture and what our culture not only accepts but celebrates as a culture that's a part of the sin nature. Culture is supposed to help temper the sin nature. A family is supposed to help temper, to control the sin nature. And I'm supposed to work at controlling the sin nature. We need to do this. I want you to hear this. In our lives and our children's lives, we can make no excuse about the sin nature. We need to identify it for what it is. When we use excuses like, I was raised this way, that's just the way I am. We're making an excuse for the sin nature. When we say, well, I'm an Italian, and Italians just act this way. I'm making an excuse for the sin nature. When I say, oh, my kid, he's just a teenager. That's the way teenagers act. Well, that may be true. Ten nature, teenagers with a sin nature may act that way, but mom and dad... We're supposed to help temper that. We're supposed to help bring control to that, and speak to that. No, we must discipline those things ourselves and our children away from the from the 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 sin nature. And and I would tell you, we do that many times with logic. Let's explain why this doesn't work. I heard heard a a, a person talking about their. Uh, they had a child that was lying all the time. Some of you may have heard this person say this. And, and they kept talking to the child and talking to the child about you need to stop lying. You, you, you break down trust when you don't lie. It, it hurts people when you don't lie. But the kid just kept lying. And so they got up one morning and they looked at the child and they said, listen, you know, the ch- kid loved ice cream. Today I'm going to pick you up after school and I'm going to take you to get some ice cream. It's going to be fun. We're going to go get ice cream. So that kid's at school all week. I'm going to get some ice cream after school. Sure enough, mom picks him up to take him to get ice cream after school. And the mom takes him home. He goes, wait a second, wait a second. You, you told me you told me we're going to get ice cream. I lied. How would it feel? How do you like that? How good is that? How do you feel about me right now? That's the way I feel about you. You know how upset you are? That's how upset I get. There's got to be some way for us to begin to show this way and discipline them and teach them and help them understand the difference. We do that sometimes with discipline. When you do that, you're going to lose these privileges. In ourself, we do that with accountability. We do it sometimes with the Word. I was never... I was never one to curse. That was never my thing. Uh, But one day as a a junior hire, my mom had me, you know, doing something completely and totally unreasonable. (laughs) You know, it was just completely, I I don't know how she could have dared to think that I should have to sweep out the garage, but she decided that she was going to send her only son out to the garage you know the love of her life her favorite boy out to the garage to do this dirty filthy job when i could be playing you know i could have been out doing my own thing but for some reason she decided i was going to go out and clean out the garage and i complained i didn't like it i didn't want to do it but she said nope you're going to do it and so i'm out in the garage i'm a young junior high boy and i decided you know, all my friends were starting to curse a lot at that time. I thought, well, I'm going to give this cursing thing a shot. <laughs> I remember standing in the garage thinking this. Thinking, I'm going I'm I'm to try this out. And I, I said something I shouldn't have said. My mom was in the house. Nobody else was around. I figured it was going to be between me and, the, you know, the four walls of the garage. And my mom heard me. Now, if my dad would have heard me, it would be been a whole different story that I'd be telling you today. And she could be a strong disciplinarian too, but for whatever reason that day, uh, she just came out and confronted me, and just said to me, "Is is that really the language you want to use?" And and she told me, she said, "You're going to stand before God someday, and He's given you language. Is that the way you think He wants you to use it?" I'm junior high, and I'm sitting there going, "Just don't tell Dad." But she got me thinking about this aspect that every word is going to be judged. And, and when, when, we were, when she was done talking to me, she said, now, okay, you don't have to clean the garage. No, <laughs> no, she said, you get this garage clean, and you straighten out. Listen, I, I, did, I did that, and as I, as I cleaned that garage, I thought about what she said, and I decided, you know, I— I really don't want to stand before God like that. So parents, it's, it's our job to speak against that sin nature, the sin nature actions, and to, to bring control and to bring some tempering to them. Once we are saved, though, that sin nature's in us. Once we're saved, we need to cooperate with the development of the fruit of the Spirit. We need to cooperate with the Spirit to get those things out of our life. So we're born again, and our flesh and our spirit come to battle, and our flesh wants to do some things. We've got to get smart enough to know how to win the battle. Are you with me? So, so hear me. If, if, if in this, if, you, if there's a certain group of people that you call friends, but if you're with them, you're going to do things that are of the sin nature because that's what they're going to do and they're going to encourage you in them. They are not your friends. You may like them. They are tools of the enemy. Say, so, oh, but I love them. But well, you can love them. You've got to love them from afar for a while until you can get strong enough to not give in to those things. We've got to know what is. We've got, to, we've got to cooperate with the Spirit, bring accountability into our life, bring things into our life to help us battle the desires of the flesh. And, of course, the key thing we bring into our life is the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. You're never going to get complete victory until you begin to learn how to walk daily with the Spirit of God moving in your life, touching your life, guiding your life, convicting you, moving you, so that when you do something that the Spirit of conviction comes upon you and you feel it instantly. But we also have to cooperate with the development of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. There's a work. We crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Every commentator I've ever read, every sermon I've ever heard uh, on this passage agrees on one thing. Fruit is intentional in showing, it's intentional in showing that these aspects of the spirit nature must be developed in our life. You don't just get hit with joy, and that's it. You develop, it develops in your life. You don't just get hit with love, and that's it. It develops in your life. Love has to develop in your life. Because the sin nature is there pushing things out, and you've got to learn how to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm just going to look at two of them real quickly tonight, at two, two points of this. And I hope that if you're struggling with one of these others, you'll see a process, and as as we look at these two, that you'll sit and say, okay, I've, I've got to start doing something with even one of these others. The first one I would point out to us is this word love. I love my kids and my grandkids. How many of you have kids and grandkids? Don't you love them? I love them. I have all kinds of warm and fuzzy feelings about them when I see them. Uh, when they're young, everything they do is brilliant and outstanding. Uh, you know, I see pictures of other people's grandkids, and they're telling me how cute they are. And I'm, yeah, they're cute, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, but not as cute as my grandkids. <laughs> and you're doing the same thing. You know, and what I've come to the conclusion of is everybody deserves somebody like that in their life who thinks they're the most brilliant, they're the most gorgeous. Everybody deserves people like that in their life. And the enemy wants to rob us of that. He wants to wreck your parents so they don't don't, don't see and treat you that way. He wants to wreck your grandparents so they don't see and treat you that way. And he wants to wreck you so you don't see and treat your kids that way. That's supposed to be in our lives. Now, I would do anything for them because of the love I feel for them. I'd do anything for them. I, 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 you know, if you're a parent, you know this. When they're sick, you'd rather be sick. I remember my parents would say that to me, and I'd think, really? You'd rather be sick than me sick? You don't, you don't really relate to that until you're in that role sometimes. You'd rather take on the problem than them take it on. But that's, 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 a kind, that's one kind of love. This is not the kind of love we're talking. We're not talking about this warm, fuzzy. I see everybody with this glowing attitude and glowing. And I, oh, I just give up. I give up my, my everything I got. That's not the kind of love we're talking about. Here's the real marker of true Christianity. How I see people. How do I feel about? And what do I want for? those who disagree with me or who are different from me. What do I want for them? Listen, there's, there's people in this world, I don't have a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings for them. They're kind of mean and nasty. They, 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 they've chosen some lifestyles and paths that the warm and fuzzy feelings aren't there, but I can love them. I can choose to act in love for them as we find in 1 Corinthians 13. And if you read through 1 Corinthians 13, you you get this definition of love. He doesn't sit there and say, oh, you know, love is you feel really warm and fuzzy towards them. No, it's a bunch of things you're supposed to act out towards them. The way you're supposed to live towards them. And what love does is it sweeps out the hate and the bitterness and the anger. It sweeps out all the prejudice. It sweeps out all the ugliness. And we look through the lens of Christ and we see people with a spirit of this is an eternal soul that God created. Right now they're caught in the sin nature just like I was. They need to be delivered and I want the best for them and the best thing that could happen for them is for them to come to Christ. It's not an acceptance of their sin. One of the worst things any believer can do is to live in a way with people who are living in the sin nature and live with an attitude of that's okay, however you feel about it, you can do it, and you're going to be fine before man and God. Listen, they may be fine before man, but if they're living in the sin nature, they are not fine before God. And the men and women who accept them will answer to God someday as well. You hear any amens? Are you getting this? So I've got to find this way in the middle of all of this to look at people who are caught in the sin nature and act in love towards them, be kind to them, be patient with them, be long-suffering with them, be all the things 1 Corinthians 13 tells me to be towards them, and still tell them, you need Christ in your life. And they say, oh, you're judging me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm looking at your at your actions, and I'm seeing the sin nature in them, and and I'm I'm passing some judgment on that. That you need to you need to get Christ in your life. And and so our society here's what our society wants to do. It wants to raise the level of not being judging, which is really more about the heart. If you really read about judging in the Bible, Bible doesn't condemn us for judging a thief a thief. What it condemns us for is passing a a judgment of hatred or evil desire. You know, they should go to hell. They should spend eternity in hell. They should have the judgment of God. That's what it's it's talking about, the heart of of our heart that wants to judge them harshly instead instead of offering them mercy. Are you with me? So it doesn't It doesn't mean I've got to look at my sinful friends and say, oh, well, whatever you want to do is fine. No, that's heresy. That'll destroy them. I've got to be able to look at my sinful friends and say, I won't be a part of that. Love you. Love you, friend. Love you. Really do love. you. really want the best for you. I won't be a part of that. I won't do that. You know, I, I won't be your... I won't be your go-to person to go out to the bars with you and you get drunk and me drive you home. I'm not doing that. I'm not being part of this. I'm not being part of this. And I'm praying for you that, that you'll see something different. Now, what they really need to see in us then is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. So... Uh, the love we are called to is a love that wants the best. This is not love that gives into others flesh desires, but, love that does, uh, but a love that does not see those different from us in hate. Even, even those whose words and actions are sometimes themselves founded in hate. Here we struggle. The feelings of the flesh arise, but I control them and ask for help. God, help me to love this person and be kind to them. And let me tell you, we see this over and over again in the Scripture. There are times when the Christian, the Christ follower, the God follower, speaks the righteous words and the loving words. Some people get it. You see this at the birthing of the new church. Some people get it, and they begin to follow Christ. And some people don't get it, and they don't just walk away. They hate you for it. When you confront sin, it won't sin won't remain neutral. It'll hate you for it. But we're called to love. The second one here, quickly, is peace. The world offers us many opportunities to worry. How many of you have something you could worry about right now? Many opportunities to worry. Jesus says each day has enough of its own. Uh, so how do we escape? And there's a real crystal clear formula. The Bible gives us a crystal clear formula on how to deal with worry. Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and, p- and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're full of worry and fret, you need to, you need to really study this passage. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commend- commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise... Think about these things. What do we have a tendency to do when we're worrying? We think about the thing we're worried about. It says, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So so here it is. Let me give you six things. And you can write these down on your notes. When you're in a place where worry is available... First of all, rejoice in the Lord. Why? He's all powerful. He's bigger than this thing you're worried about. He's bigger than all of it. So rejoice in Him. He's your Lord. He's your King. He's your Savior. He's on your side. Rejoice in Him. Number two, be reasonable. Look at the thing in a reasonable way. Get righteous advice in it. Get good advice in it, and take it. Be reasonable. Be correctable. Be somebody who learns, because sometimes in our old flesh we continue to stir the problem, because we're not reasonable enough to say, well, you know, I'm worried about my relationship with my wife, and you know, I think she, she's, you know, I think she may be getting ready to walk out on me, and I'm worried about this, and well, how do you talk to her? Well, that has nothing to do with this. She should be faithful to me. No, the way you talk to her has something to do with this. The way you treat her has something to do with it. Be reasonable. Pray with thanksgiving. God, here's all the good things going on in my life. I'm saved today. I've got hope for heaven today. God, I'm thankful for your presence that's with me. God, and you begin to pray with thanksgiving. Then you present your request to God. Now, this is important because you're, be, you're being reasonable. You've rejoiced in him, so you've got faith. You're thankful. You're reminded of his greatness in your life. You're being reasonable, so you're correctable. You're being corrected. And now you come to God and say, Now, God, God, here's my request heal my marriage. Now, listen, you can pray, God, heal my marriage. But if you're not reasonable, you're pretty hopeless you got to be reasonable. God, I've been fired, you know, 22 times in the last two weeks. You know, maybe that's not the devil. Are you, are you with me? Think about the right things. Listen, I, I know some of you are going through struggles in here. And they could weigh on your life all the time. I, I have plenty of things that could let me lay in bed at night with my eyes peeled open, looking at the ceiling. This is why I read the Psalms at night. So I'm reminded of who my God is. And when the enemy tries to bring those things and whisper in my ear, something I just you know, I just want you to remember. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is an ever-present help in trouble. Think about the right things. And, and six, listen, practice the right things. You know, one of the craziest things I've seen people, I've seen people get into a, 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 an issue that's a big issue and their heart's broken and they're, and, and you know what they do? They stop going to church. Yeah, I just can't get, get to church. I just too down. Well, you're going to stay down. They stop worshiping. Yeah, I'm not going to. You know what? No matter how bad it is, he's worthy to be praised. Amen. Remember, Pastor Betzer talked about it Sunday. Paul, in the prison, maybe it was Saturday, I'm not sure which, in prison, after being beaten, goes, let's worship God. Practice the right things. And in both of us, he says, God will guard your heart, and the God of peace will be with you. I've got to understand the the pathway to peace. So here's the key to all the fruit of the the Spirit. Control the desires of the flesh and make yourself accountable. So if you know where your struggle is, you know you're hot-tempered, You know you have a tendency to pornography. You know you have a tendency. You've got to make yourself accountable. Accountability sets you free accountability isn't a chain around your neck. Accountability unlocks the chain around your neck because you know people are asking you and talking to you and you're a lot freer from sin. Listen, when I was with my mom and dad as a teenager, my, my tendency to sin was really small because my mom and dad were sitting right there. One of the highest, most accountable times in my life In those moments, you're not. Now, mom and dad go away, and all sorts of desires come up because accountability goes down. So, you want to bring accountability into your life. It's freedom. It's freedom. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let His fruit develop in you. When you're acting outside of the fruit of the Spirit, you've got to ask yourself why. So I've got to look for that pathway back to the spirit nature. So if it's love, if it's joy, if it's peace, if it's patience, what does the word say about these things so I can grow in them and be established in them? Now, many commentators, this isn't something where there's total agreement on this, but many commentators say basically that love is the fruit and the rest of, the, of those descriptions are descriptions of the fruit. It's like saying, this is an orange. And you say, oh, and there's the peeling, and there's the, you know, the inside, and then there's the juice, and then there's the seed, and there's all these things that make up the orange. It really doesn't matter. I need all of these things to have the full fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want all of them. I, I want all of them. And here's the truth that you've got to understand. We talked about baptism of the Holy Spirit last week. We talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit last week. We can look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can look at the talents that God gives you that you want to use for his glory. You can look at money that God may give you you want to use for his glory. You can look at resources that God may give you that you want to use for his glory. You can look at the positions that you are in. You can look at your testimony. But here's the bottom line. If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, if you're not growing in the fruit of the Spirit, eventually all of those implode and become meaningless. So you're a parent, you want your child to live for God, you bring them to church you read the Bible in front of them, you tell them they've got to read the Bible, you send them to camps, you do all of these things, but you don't live the fruit of the Spirit, eventually it implodes. Eventually it implodes. I've seen this with pastors. You know, they're talented, they're gifted, they've got speaking ability, they've got great talent and ability, God's given them, they're charismatic, they've got all these things going for them, and... and from church after church, they go to things implode. And that's not imploding over their gifts, it's imploding over the fruit. Our testimonies implode when the fruit of the Spirit isn't in them. The testimony may be true. It may be powerful. God may have really delivered you from things. He may have really set you free from things. Your life may have, been, may, may have had just a great miracle-working power of God. You may have been set free from addictions. But if you walk through life without the fruit of the Spirit, it undermines all the miracle-working power of God. So if you want, if you, you, you want all of those things, but I've got to really work at developing the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Amen? Let's stand together. I I want us to bring your Bibles with you and let's come down around the altar for just a moment. If you don't have a Bible, get next to somebody who does have one and you can share it. Look up Galatians chapter 5. Has this been been good tonight? Has it been helpful tonight? I, I hope so. One of the things that um, you know some psychologists may freak out about is if you tell them God talks to me. <laughs> really? How does that work? But God does talk to us, and and, and it's, it's you know I, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I, I've I've had many things happen to me with an impression. Uh, a revelation of the Spirit, maybe through somebody else's voice that I believe God was speaking to me. Most of the time, it's just revelation. It's God making something clear. But we have to learn to listen for that voice. And so that's, that's what I want to encourage you to do tonight. We're going to take a couple of minutes Let's have Dan play some music. And I want to encourage you to start up at the beginning of this, this verse, at what verse... Uh, let me get it here for you. Uh, verse, you know, about verse 18, 19, about verse 19. And start with the works of the flesh and just kind of walk your way through them very, very carefully and say, God, is there anything you want to say to me about this one? God, is there anything you want to say to me about this one? And then, then come down to the fruit of the Spirit. And say, God, is there anything you want to say to me about this one? I want to tell you my personal experience with this. There have been times when I, if you would have asked me one minute, the way you're acting here, is it okay? I would have said, absolutely okay. Not a problem with it. God understands why I'm doing this and why I'm living this way and why I'm thinking this way. And 60 seconds later, I would have told you, that is absolutely wrong. I don't know why I ever thought that was okay. (laughs) I I've got to go get this right with people. Wow, what was I thinking? Because the conviction of the Spirit can come that quickly upon us. And what I've learned is to look for those moments, to seek out those moments, and say, God, I know I've got this sin nature in me. You've got to confess. You've got to understand that. You have it in you. And it wants to work its way out. We've got to keep crucifying it and we've got to cooperate with the Spirit of God. So, as Dan plays this, let's just take a couple of minutes. We're going to be done in five minutes. Let's just take a couple of minutes and let the Lord speak to us tonight. Now, let me tell you how this works. You're reading through this, and you come to a word like impurity. And in a moment, the Spirit of the Lord says, You know, that television show you're watching, that's not pleasing. That's not good for you. And immediately the flesh rises up and goes, Oh, that doesn't impact me. That didn't change the way I live at all. But the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you. The Spirit of the Lord speaks to you and says, Yeah, uh, you know brother, you've got your problem with You envy him. Oh, I do not. Don't hardly like him. That's, that's because you, you've envied the relationship he has with your dad or with your mom or the money he makes or something else. That's grades he got at school, how popular he was, whatever. You've envied that instead of rejoicing and celebrating in that. I'd like to sweep that out of you. Uh, he comes down and gets a word like kindness. You go, I'm a kind person. And then the Lord points out one person. And one person who lives next to him. One person who lives down the street. That one person who's a neighbor. And he goes, You're not very kind to them. You may have kindness whipped with everybody else. You may be the kind. Everybody else may write you up as kind, but they wouldn't. You go, Okay, God, I want to fully cooperate with you. They, they annoy me to death, but I'm going to be kind to them from now on. They, they make fun of me for my faith. They make fun of me for everything else. And, but I'm, I'm going to choose to not smart back and react back. I'm going to choose to be kind. I'm, I'm going to choose to do it your way, and not my way. Now, I don't know if you heard anything tonight or not. I hope some of us did. Why? Because we're family? no, because we're growing. Amen. And and when we don't hear, we don't grow. You've got to hear to grow. You have got to hear to grow. And there should be a, an absolute hunger in us to say, God, am I am I am I too envious of it? Am I am I jealous of others? God, am I je- is there anybody? I really want to know if I'm jealous of others. God, I really want to know if there's some place in my life where I'm not in control. I want your spirit to take over. Father, as we close this tonight, we just open our hearts to you. Right here around this altar, and we've taken time to listen, to let your spirit speak to us. And, and Lord, I, I hope that, that, that some around this altar have already heard that word. And, and maybe even right now, you'd speak to some of us where we, we rolled past it and didn't listen. Lord, let us be a people flourishing in the fruit of the Spirit. Just flourishing in it. So filled with the fruit of the Spirit that everybody who's around us would see the change, know the change, and see us as people ordered and made anew. Father, we want to be those people that you talk about that People from afar off seek us out because they've heard. That person's, that person's got something the rest of us don't have. Father, we want to be a people who have something that those who don't have you, know you, that they don't have and that they're attracted to. And Lord, we know without the fruit of the Spirit, Father, that won't be. That won't be. Let us not be a people that are greedy Let us not be a people who are jealous. Let us not be a people who are part of factions and rivalries. Let us be a people, Father, filled with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience. Your kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Let us be those people, we pray. So, Lord, we just open our heart to you and pray you'd speak to us. Guide us. And even around this altar, Father, let us stop making excuses and go to war where we need to go to war. In Jesus' mighty matchless name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord tonight.